This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast, coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and I'm privileged to be here once again with Pastor Brandon Starnes and veteran missionary Dave Loop, and uh, of course, a veteran missionary of 21 years there in Portugal. Make sure, though, stop right now if you have not listened to part one. Go back, listen to part one, Trials and Triumphs, part one. You'll see it there. It would have been aired just last week. And so make sure you listen to that and then come back and listen to us here on part two because we're about to continue on uh, in some very exciting things, but you don't want to miss out on part one. Speaking of which, you can find all the all this, all this the episodes of the podcast at svbcpa.org forward slash rwpod. Also, make sure you check out the blog, the Rejoicing in the Word blog, svbcpa.org forward slash rwblog, and then also... Um, make sure you check us out at svbcpa.org forward slash rwmin. And um, remember, we have a giveaway this this season, season number two. We're giving away Rejoicing in the Word coasters, and we're also giving away volume series of devotional, um, daily devotional booklets there. And so we have three of them make up a volume, and in each one there's 365 days worth of uh, devotionals. So we're talking three years Versus ver- three years worth of devotional material. Yeah, so. the Old Testament, and then there's a year that focuses on the New Testament, and then a year just on the Psalms. Just on the Psalms. And so they are pretty good resources for that. And remember, the way you can get your name into the drawing is to go to our Facebook page, and you can like us there. You can follow us there, of course, and then message us through Facebook Messenger, your email address, and... Um, We'll be able to put you in the drawing that way. The other way to do it is if you don't have a Facebook page, go to our website, svbcpa.org. You can scroll down and find us in the contact section. And in that contact section, put in your uh, email address, your first and last name, and then make sure you let us know that you're sending us that message so you can get put into the rejoicing the word, um, rejoicing the word drawing there. That way we can know that you'd like to be a part of it. So I'm excited about the drawing. I think I've, I'm not going to have my name in there. So unfortunately, but so you're going to put your wife's name in. I guess I should. Yeah. <laughs> I will gladly pull your name out. So, <laughs> but speaking of which, we're moving on into part two of trials and triumphs. And speaking of trials, um, brother Luke here just handed me two, two prayer cards. And of course, 21 years difference in between. And I mean, the first one, I mean, 21 years ago, and then the second one, we can see the the effects of trials. You know, I mean, I wish I could put this up for people to see. This is one of those <laughs> where the, the picture in a thousand words Serious. comes to mind. But no, you look great. You look great. Thanks <laughs> Thank for you. thanks for showing us those. We um, were we were teasing um, just before we started recording about how, uh, with some, with very few exceptions, really that. That uh, the pastor and the two guest speakers uh, have no hair, and all the missionary candidates do, and that that's just trials. That's trials <laughs> in the life there. And uh, so, yes, but it is a delight to have you with us for a second episode, uh, and we're focusing again on trials and the triumphs of the mission field. Now, last last week as we recorded, we primarily just settled in with the trials, and I'd like to kind of pick up there because we we brought it to a point to conclude. But I want to make sure that we get that opportunity to really settle that in. And then um, once we've recapped, I want to, I want to go on to like what we do. What, what, what's an answer? How, how to alleviate, how to be 
uh, have some triumph in these areas. And then speaking of triumphs, what are some triumphs you've seen on the field? So I want to package all of that into the podcast uh, today. So uh, we'll lead off with this one. And maybe you've got an example you'd like to just throw in here, but of cultural differences. Sometimes you hear folks talk about cultural shock, but cultural difference being one of the trials that practically every missionary is going to face. Do you have any personal ones? Yes. Well, um, just imagine you're the missionary wife, for example, and you just arrived on the field. You're still learning the language and you have to make supper for your family uh, one night. So you pull out your American recipe and you go to the grocery store and you're looking for the ingredients. You're looking for some flour and sugar, but you don't know what the word is in the language. So you get your handy cell phone out and you use Google Translate, but you don't have the courage to go up to ask the person where it is because you're still learning the language and you don't know how to say the word. But let's suppose that you had the courage and you attempt to say it, but they look at you strangely because you just asked for something that you wouldn't find in a grocery store. <laughs> so you decide that you're going to play it safe that night and make something that you're familiar with and make some sloppy joes. So after wandering through the store for about 20 minutes trying to find a can of manwich, which doesn't exist in the store, you come to the aisle where you find some tomato sauce. However, there's no flavored sauce, but just the tomato paste. So what that means is that you have to make your own sauce for your sloppy joes or even for spaghetti. Well, that also means that you, have, you need to find the aisle with all the spices and you have to figure out what the name of the spice is in that language. So now, being in this grocery store for about an hour, picking up just a few items, you arrive home exhausted, and you decide to make spaghetti, and your husband looks at, looks at you after taking the first bite and says, Honey, this tastes a little different than what you normally make. Now, let's be honest, ladies. How would you feel about that? <laughs> be different. So, uh... <laughs> I just want to ask, is Clap this a personal story? <laughs> you can just picture the lady throwing the spaghetti in his face. <laughs> so that would actually make like the sloppy joes not a quick meal. That is correct. Because and obviously it's not it's gonna taste different because you know you're so used to just picking up the can of manwich or even just a jar of spaghetti sauce that has already all the ingredients and the flavor and the, even meat. And now you have to learn how to make your own spaghetti sauce with uh, somewhat of a flavor that's similar to what you've made before back in the States. Mm. That, that would be some real changes. I think that would particularly be for folks that maybe grew up with a palate here completely formed by the U.S., or maybe, and I, I don't know what your opinion is on this, but really had a fixed palate. Like you're, you're just meat, potatoes, that's really what I live. And then you get over there, maybe it's not quite the same. Yeah, it is different, especially in Portugal where the main dish is codfish. Huh. So if you're not a, a fish person, I you mean, know. Imagine if you had like a seafood allergy. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So... But again, I believe God is aware of that too. And I, I, I believe that he would lead you to a place where 
you know, you're able to where all your needs can function. be met. <laughs> well, maybe not all the needs. <laughs> so when you say codfish, is that like fish and chips? Because I could do fish and chips. Well, it's not deep fried for that way. They oh, okay. usually do more baked um, or grilled. So, and what I found in Portugal is, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, the, the food there was more healthy because they use more fresh ingredients. And so I found uh, my palate well pleased there in Portugal. And as a matter of fact, I, I miss that part uh, of Portugal. That's because you were over there so long it became home. Yes. Yes. Another area that we spoke about for, you know, just a trial was discouragement. And there was a whole panoply of things that we looked at um, from kind of some regard the the uh, cultural distinctives, but just discouragement, maybe expectations not being met, um, um, the language burden that can be placed upon some. And so discouragement, and of course, you know, discouragement was certainly a thing that you find in the scripture as you articulated last week. It's something that's not exclusive to missionaries. Uh, even Elijah, Elijah over in First Kings, you know, a grand discouragement uh, right after the great battle that was fought there uh, between the prophets, of the groven of Baal and, and the Lord, and they were victorious, and yet he's, he's discouraged. Uh, that probably leads into the third area. They meld together at some point that discouragement and then loneliness um, play such a significant role uh, in trials that missionaries would face. Uh, how, how have you, um, uh, I'm thinking immediately about this uh, statistic that you read last week. Was it 43%? I think it was. Yes. Uh, I forget exactly. 43% of missionaries maybe didn't finish their mission um, assignment or something, and discouragement was at the top of the list. Yes, discouragement was the reason why most of these missionaries uh, came off the field or quit. And it's a number of reasons. I don't know that you highlighted exactly, but can you, in addition to the cultural distinctives, and there is just the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, there are folks, as you mentioned, uh, that are going to be warm and receptive to you, but when it comes to the gospel, that's going to be an isolator, uh, that they're going to be less pleased to hear, uh, especially the fact that you might have given up uh, the conference of home, as it were, uh, in some regards to go across the the ocean for the purpose of Jesus Christ. And if they're not interested, their heart's not in a conviction. It's just something that they're dismissive of. But what are some areas that you think that, that bring about a lot of discouragement? Well, that's one area. Um, the 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 fact that the hearts are closed, cold, indifferent to the truth, and I was mentioning earlier how that just in Portugal, a country where ninety percent, almost ninety percent of the people claim to be Catholic, where they would be open to talk about God in general. Mm. But when you begin to talk to them about Jesus Christ being the only way to heaven, that's where you see the wall coming up. And maybe that sense of isolation, because you're, you feel like you're the only one that right. believes that. And so, um, yeah, you can feel that discouragement coming. Um, also, for example, for myself, arriving on the field in 2001, I didn't see my first convert until 2008. So it took about seven years just to see 
my first convert. And so you just need to keep at it. I mentioned earlier how there's fruit in faithfulness. Yeah. You, we, we've spoken a lot about the missionary in a very general sense, but, and I know I may be catching you kind of flat footed here, but what, what about how, how you as a missionary in particular, you're also a husband and a father. And so you're, it's like your whole family shares in this uh, discouragement. Now they may not share in the same way that you do in every detail, particularly as it relates to ministry, but they still share a great affront to this. And so speak for a moment, maybe how um, the family has to endure some of these two. It's, it's a whole thing. Yeah, obviously we're there together. And so uh, raising our daughter on the field, she obviously saw things that we went through and I'm sure if she were here today, she probably could feel some things, share, excuse me, some things that she went through by watching us while we went through some challenging moments. And so, yeah, you're not only a missionary, but you are a father, you're, you're a husband. And we were determined as parents that we weren't going to lose our, our daughter. And we had a, uh, we made it a really, uh, major focus on, in, in, on the family, protecting our daughter. And uh, I'm sure you've heard this before that uh, in the ministry, you know, God is first, then your family, then the ministry. Yeah, well, your family is your first ministry. Yes. Yeah. Um, we kind of left last week with our passage here about the scripture says in reference to the persecutions and afflictions that out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And so let's move a little bit to what's the answer to some of the trials. Uh, we want to get to the triumphs, but, you know, sometimes before we see the triumphs, you've got to be able to uh, consistently battle the temptations that would sink you. Uh, and what what are your perspective of the missionary? What what do they need to do? What What do they need to remember in order to withstand some of the devastation of these trials? Well, the first thing that I that I think of is we need to realize too that missionaries are human beings like anybody else. They're not superhuman beings and they are going to face trials just like anybody else. And just like you said, pastor, before there's a triumph, before there's a victory, there is the battle and you are going to face battle uh, battles on the field. You're going to face opposition, just like the Apostle Paul did. And I think one of the keys to uh, pursuing the, the the battle and, and getting through the battle is remembering that, first of all, why you're there, and also to remember that you're not alone. You may feel that you're alone. There might be those moments of isolation but you're not alone. And pastor's mentioning this passage in 2 Timothy, and one of the encouraging uh, things that the Apostle Paul said was in verse number 17 when he said, Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me mm-hmm. and strengthened me. And then later in verse number 18, he says, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. So I think one of the keys... To get through the trials is 
the missionary has to develop his relationship with the Lord. He needs to grow in his relationship with the Lord. He needs to be so close to the Lord and recognize that I am not alone in this battle. The Lord is with me, and he's going to give me the strength to get the victory through this. You know, I I think about Paul in Philippians chapter 4, and he says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. It's that same word. He, he's infusing you with power. Mm-hmm. And we know that the Lord said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye into all the world. It, it's a, a very uh, important part of the foundation by which uh, the local assembly has been chartered with the responsibility of of missions. And yet the individual missionary has to remember that. Uh, and when I think of Philippians, I think of joy. But I also think of the word mind. Uh, let this mind be in you, which is also Christ Jesus. Uh, he says in chapter 4, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever thing of holy, be any virtue, be any phrase, think on these things. And I do think it, it that per, part of that personal relationship is a constant revolving in our mind continuously of the word of truth. Uh, I'm certainly not saying, well, if you think positive, everything's going to work out. Rather, what I'm saying is, that as we consider Christ, as we look upon him, as we look and know who he is, our obedience to him, and as we forge ahead, he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's the God of all comfort. And so there is a personal responsibility as it pertains to the missionary, to the individual when you deal with discouragement. But rest assured, uh, it isn't necessarily a reflection of, of how God is or isn't using you. Discouragement comes all the time. Um, it is a chief tool in which the adversary will use to conquer us. And so certainly there's the missionary's responsibility. What, what about the, the supporting churches? Um, obviously, you know, there are things that your home church is aware of. The church that has commissioned you, the church, uh, under which you are there, uh, you're under their, uh, their leadership and their authority. But what, what about the the collaborating other churches that assist, you know, in your support of missions, what can they do? Well, we were talking about this earlier, and two things come to my mind. I believe there needs to be a, a committed connection uh, to the missionary and constant communication. The the church needs to understand that when they send a missionary, the purpose of sending that missionary is that church also wants to reach the people to whom the missionary is ministering to. So we're working together to reach those people. And so when there's not that sense of connection to the church, you almost feel like you're alone mm-hmm. trying to get the job done even though we just finished saying we're not alone because the Lord is with us. But there's that sense of encouragement when you know that the church is with you in this endeavor, this task to reach those people with the gospel. And it's not just that church sending them money for them to do the work. And so uh, a verse that comes to my mind is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, when the Apostle Paul said, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. 
But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So here we have a member of a church in Ephesus who just was connected to the Apostle Paul, a layman, mm-hmm. who just knew the, the perhaps the value of supporting the missionary. And while Paul was in Ephesus, in some way, Onesiphorus ministered to the Apostle Paul, the missionary. And then when the missionary left, and now he's in Rome in prison, here's the same member, uh, church member, who went to Rome, and it says here, for he oft refreshed me. And if you look up that word, it's an interesting word, and I like doing Bible uh, word studies. That word refresh there means to cool again or to cool down from the heat. So in other words, as Paul was facing the heat of the ministry, here's a church member who was like a, like a fresh of breath air to the apostle Paul, who, who came and just kind of gave him, let's say, a, 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 a dip of cool water to refresh him who was facing the heat of the ministry. Yeah. I often think about those ancient kings when i think of that word refresh there's ancient kings and there's no ac and uh they would have servants you know with the big palm branches and they're they're just fanning yes there's no electric current you know they refreshed him yes they played a role in keeping them from being devastated yes well can you imagine here's the apostle paul he's in rome and he was human just like we are i wonder if he ever thought, I wonder if someone knows, I wonder if someone knows I'm in prison. Does anyone care? Is, is anyone thinking about me? Is anyone praying for me? And just imagine with me, here comes the prison guard and says, Paul, wake up. You have a visitor. Can you imagine what's going through Apostle Paul's mind? What, a visitor coming to see me in prison in Rome? You know the list of people it isn't. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, he, he knows where Timothy is. He knows where everyone else is. Right. And, you know, even later in the chapter, he said he goes to give his first answer. There was nobody there with him. Lay it not according to their charge. Exactly. So here's here's Onesiphorus, and who was willing to make that long trip just to be an encouragement to the, to the missionary, the Apostle Paul. Hmm. That's a significant thought of how they might help. So, did you ever have anyone visit you on the field? I did. Um, I, we had our mission director, uh, some family, and some friends. And you know, it is encouraging because one reason we were talking about discouragement. One area of discouragement is that lack of fellowship, and that falls underneath the the category of loneliness as well. You 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 feel kind of alone, but right. when those people come, it's like. Yeah, I'm not alone. You know, there are people that care. There are people that are praying. So, you know, it is. It's encouraging. I think it's great, speaking from a pastoral point of view, that I think a number of pastors really should have the opportunity uh, to move about and spend time in a missions environment. Um, At the very least, it would be an education. Um, Sometimes it's an easy thing to sit back and, you know, look at a letter and say, wow, you know, this missionary, are they worth what we're sending out? You know, uh, I don't know the congregate, you know, and you get this feeling and you're so far off. 
uh, just to see some of the things, to be able to go there and see, put put names with faces, mm-hmm. um, put put towns. problems with what's yeah. that? Well, I was going to say put towns, and I mean you know yes. you hear the churches in this town. Well, uh, the one thing I just this is a personal thing, but the pronunciation, mm-hmm. yeah, just the pronunciation alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's communities in which there's a family that has dedicated their life to missions, that is engaged in preaching the gospel there. And there are towns and and uh, streets within those towns and homes that they're going to knock doors upon that as a whole I'll never have any influence in. They really are my co-laborers. They're an extension to some regard, an extension of uh, my responsibility. As a church. And so yes. that constant uh, communication, that... that, that, that um, connection with your missionary i i think it's vital and, and to even help that missionary the longevity of his ministry on the field even as one considers you know missions and being connected one to another you know you mentioned when you started out having to wait till nine o'clock i can remember as a little fellow we uh we had some friends that were missionaries in alaska and i could take you to the exact spot but we called them and and i got to talk to them on the phone and there was like this delay you know you could speak and then you had to wait and i guess sound had to travel all the way out there well things are different now uh, with the availability of texting devices to be able to have a quick connection um is an amazing thing i remember when we first got to portugal our daughter um was in her bedroom on her bed crying because she couldn't talk to her grandmother and so you know, that as a father, that breaks your heart. And, you know, you feel that isolation and loneliness because, you know, we couldn't just get on Skype and so we can see grandma's face and, and talk to her. You know, we still had to wait after nine o'clock and, you know, and just so, you know, you go through those moments. But to, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think the church can help in just not only praying, but just somehow have a way of communicating with your missionary and having that connection with your missionary. And that makes the missionary feel like, okay, they do care. We, we're, we're, we're doing this together. Uh, this is God's work. None's, uh, no one's higher than the other. We're in this together. We're, like you said, co-laborers together with God. Yeah. I guess what I'm hearing and gleaning from this conversation as a church member is just how big of an effect that I can have I mean, because sometimes you just think, well, you know, I faithfully give my missions dollars and, you know, I pray for them and I read their prayer letter. But really, there's a great impact that church members can have in a positive way. I mean, I think about how you're talking about um, someone even calling or texting or communicating the fact that we are praying for you. It's not just that I am, but communicating that. You know, to to this little side note here, I little experience I had once that, you know, I was in a number of churches that, not unlike what your statistic you shared with us about having to visit three churches, one take you on, and you'd have churches that took you on, and that that was greatly appreciated and such. But then after a period of time, you go back and report, and there is a prevailing current that would say, "Well, we're not really going. We don't want a missionary, and we already support. We want to have a new missionary in." And uh, even still, the prevailing thought, uh, as you, Josh and I were speaking together some time ago, of just having 
a ton, constant influx of missionaries and a wall of missionaries that you just support that really it makes it difficult to connect with. But I was following up, uh, reporting back to one of my supporting churches, and it had been a number of years there. And this 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 happened to me, and it was an experience I've not, uh, I don't think I'll soon forget. They didn't treat me any differently by what they did. But when I left the meeting, I felt as near as I think I could feel as if you had been a hero. And it wasn't like I, I did something in particularly that they were going, wow, that was a great job. Wow. But I, I felt you, you kind of get that feeling like you're almost like what you might would see in a book or hear today of, uh, of a, of a appreciation. Yeah. Like a soldier almost returning back, like almost like mm-hmm. he was a hero. Mm-hmm. Like you have done something. It's, it's important. And I, I, you know, I, I don't want to get into the praise of men. That's not what I'm talking about, but. But the appreciation of the faithfulness and the trials that were endured is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I note sometimes it, looking at missionaries, well, now that's the same old missionary. As opposed to, oh, this is a new one. The excitement, the excitement to see someone that's just reporting back of what God has done and to see what your investment of prayer and resources and elsewise mm-hmm. has accomplished. That reminds me of this prayer card that Brother Joss mentioned, our first prayer card, black and white picture. And to me, it looks pretty sad, but it was encouraging because the pastor who started to support us in 2000 still had it and said, look, this is your first prayer card. Quarter, almost a quarter of a century later. To that, for me, that reminded me, okay, he still cares about me. He's still praying for me. Right. You know, he didn't discard this prayer card, you know, even though it's 23, it's 23 years old, you know, he's still praying. It's just a fantastic consideration. And obviously we haven't made much about this, but prayer is certainly a thing that individually and church-wide believers need to engage in. That was, you know, Paul would speak about that. He was always thankful of the gifts they sent. Uh, He said, not that I desire a gift, but fruit that would remain. Thank you for your gifts. You've met my needs. Uh, certainly people had refreshed him, but multiple times, you know, he said, pray for us, pray for us. And for me, pray. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, um, that is a significant way in which, uh, I think a great level of confidence comes that you're maybe putting out a letter and, you know, somebody follows up with it and lets you know they're praying for you. Yes. And it goes both ways too. Paul asked for prayer, but he was also praying for them. Yes. How many times true. he every says, letter. I, every time, I, I make mention of you in my prayers. Always. So please pray for me. Yeah. Right. And so those are significant things. So let's, let's transition to this triumphs. So we've spent a good bit of our time on trials. Let's take a few moments and deal with some triumphs. Now, uh, we do know that there are some advantages in, in being a European missionary. Oh, yeah. We yes. talked about that off, off the air. Yeah. I mean. Loop us in. Loop us in. Right. So I figured this out. Tell. I figured this out. So if, you, if you're a missionary in Portugal, it's far more affordable to get a plane ticket to a lot of different places. I mean, you can go to Israel. You can go to Rome. You can go to Greece. I mean, you could go pretty much all anywhere over there. The United Kingdom. It's going to be way more affordable than if you were trying to fly from Pennsylvania. 
So I did. I I, I picked that. Well, up. you know, some folks would uh, just feel under that that the Lord had might have called him to Hawaii or Cancun <laughs> or something like that. You know, but no, there is that opportunity that has existed to be near some really neat stuff. Did you guys ever take an opportunity? Yes, we did. And um, one particular trip uh, I was so thrilled to make was to to Greece, and I was able to go to Athens and stand on Mars Hill where the Apostle Paul. The missionary stood, and you can see what he saw by when you read the passage. It's like I, I see what he saw. That's pretty. Cool. And you know what a what a joy that was able. I was able to make that trip very cheaply, <laughs> and uh, I, I praise the Lord for that. It was, it was a blessing. Yeah, those that that's a that's one there. Yes. <laughs> but what are some triumphs that you experienced on the field? I would say that for me. One of the victories was for me to be able to communicate to the people in their language the Word of God. And I say that, I hope I say that with a humble heart because I knew before I went to the field that I couldn't even speak the English language correctly and struggled at grammar even in the English language, I am still um, astonished at the fact that I was able to learn probably one of the hardest languages that exists. And to be able to share the Word of God with them and see people saved as a result of that, I mean, to me, that's that's a triumph. That's a victory for me. And And... It's not me. It, I mean, it proves to me that it definitely wasn't me. It was God doing it through me. Because if it if it weren't for God, uh, there was there would be no way that I could ever speak that language. I'm reminded of a missions book I read once, and the lady penning it. She her husband had been a missionary for a while, and you know, then he came home. They met, married, and so now he's returning to the field. She's going to the field the first time. And she said the fear and terror that was in her heart, just all of the unknown, you know, this was back in the day. So there was the, the beat of, of enemy drums, not always peace. Uh, and then fast forward many years later, and as she's sailing away, her husband had passed away, went through great difficulty. She said, I could see as the saints had come to the shore to watch the ship leave, that they were singing the songs of faith. And she was immediately brought to her mind the contrasting two points, mm-hmm. that it seemed like this is a trial. Right. And yet, as she's moving to the next chapter that God would have in her life, looking back at the triumph of seeing that there had been souls saved, there are people that had grown, and that really was, uh, I think of the Apostle Paul in chapter 4, he references the Philippian church, he says, he says, you're my crown, mm-hmm. you're my joy. Mm-hmm. And and to watch these saints that before, maybe the only saint they knew in the Portugal area, area of Portugal that they lived in was one of those at Fatima. Now that they, they know the truth and it's freedom giving yes. and the love they now would have for yes. you because of the truth's sake. Connected with that, one of the discouragements that missionaries face is how people move away. Mm. You just build a relationship and they move away. 
But the victory side of that is, okay, they're leaving with a good foundation of Bible doctrine, and now they're going to take that to the place where they're going and moving to and be able to share that with those people. Right. So, yes, there's a discouragement there, but there's also a connected victory there. So you need to realize, okay, that's rough for me, but I need to realize, okay, they're going to take that truth now to the place where they're going. And right. someone else is going to hear the same truth. Yeah. I mean, watching someone come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and grab hold of that truth mm-hmm. and advance themselves uh, in the study of the Word of God, I mean, that has to be a remarkable, it just is a remarkable joy. Yes. I think of individuals that we've known have been associated with your ministry over in Portugal. Uh, one really comes to mind, was able to visit here in the States, and that is that is a highlight. Yeah, thinking of him, here's a young man who was a native of India and moved to Portugal. And it was in Portugal that he heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And later in his testimony, he told me, I didn't know why I was in Portugal, but now I know. Mm-hmm. And here's a man, a young man from India who moved to Portugal, who heard the gospel preached by a man from America, just that just boggles my mind. Yeah. How God works. And now that young man is faithful. He's reading his Bible. He's praying. He's growing. He since then has moved to Brazil. Now think about what he could do in Brazil. And think about what he can do to back in India talking to his own family and it's it's as amazing how God works and all the glory obviously belongs to the Lord sure. but he uses us as instruments to see this work go forward well I think of the fact that as like a missionary is obedient to God they're the means that God is using to share the gospel and so they're sharing in those victories that God is wrought in that mission field yes so that is a triumph yes it is amazing thing that god uses us yes Uh, and sometimes our minds can fixate on the trials of this life Uh, paul said of them but i reckon they are not worthy which the glory that shall be revealed and that is something by which we give thanks i'm thankful for the triumphs that god brings but i would never know they were triumphs if I had not endured the trials of this life. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In chapter 11, he just spoke about all those trials mm-hmm. and challenges he faced. And then in chapter 12, verse 9, he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So it was during those challenges, those trials that Paul grew relying on the strength of Christ. He recognized it was the strength of Christ that I lacked, that I needed to grow in. So there was a purpose of going through those trials as well. Amen. No wonder we're admonished to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen. What a great time. I appreciate the time you've taken out of your schedule to be with us here this week and last week. 
We are in, indebted to you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Amen. Well, Brother Josh, why don't you give us the word for the day and sign us off? All right. Our word from the day comes out of Romans chapter 13, verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And as we do so, we want to encourage you, as always, to continue rejoicing in the word. And we'll catch you next time.